Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the Kentucky Dad Podcast brought to you by SB Nations, A Sea of Blue. I'm Drew Brown. Um, before I kind of introduce our, our very first guest on the show, I just kind of wanted to set up the format a little bit. You might be a, a previous listener to the Cats by 90 podcast, which is also on the SB Nation network, or maybe you're a new listener and tuning in for the first time, which we appreciate. But um, this is something that I've kind of had the idea for for a long time. Um, if you've ever stood around me for more than 30 seconds or listened to me do radio or podcast or anything, you know that I'm a father. Um, and that's kind of the point, I guess, of the Kentucky Dad podcast is you can't talk to Big Blue Drew without me bringing up my kids anyway. So why not, you know, have a format and, and provide a platform for some UK sports figures to come on, talk about their their family, their work life balance and you know, I'm sure that we'll always tie it in kind of to Kentucky sports and things, but it's something that I've gotten a lot of good feedback about. I think we're going to be able to get some some really good guests on to provide some perspective on their childhood, the way that they parent. And I'm sure along the way, we will all have a lot of good laughs. But our first guest, man, I, what I consider to be an A-lister, um, you're not going to find really, in my opinion, anyone that's as close um, to the Kentucky basketball program, you know, probably non-player coach. Mr. TJ Beisner. So TJ, our first guest, man, thank you so much for um, taking the time, even though every day is kind of like a Saturday right now. Um, <laughs> but but for coming on, man, thank you. Hey, I appreciate you have, having me on here. And thank you for calling me an A-lister. That's the first time in my entire life anybody's ever referred to me that. So I appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. And again, I'm not uh, I'm not just pumping your head up here because maybe <laughs> a good way to start too would kind of be because I know you had a pretty big like kind of career move, I guess. Gosh, it's probably been a, a little while longer now that I'm going to give it credit for. But I want to say it was like a year or two ago, maybe. Yeah. But uh, maybe just tell, tell the listeners and stuff just about, like, you know, previously what you did and then kind of your role now with um, within Kentucky basketball. Yeah. So I've had uh, kind of a weird life and career path. So um, I've been working. My my actual job title right now is I am what is it, the director of, of content development and digital media for um, JMI Sports, which is basically UK Sports Network. So um, within that, I also run Coach Cal's website, which means I have a, a job and then I have the other part of it, which is be available to help Cal <laughs> with, with various things. Yeah. So I have an office um, at the JMI Sports office and then I have one uh, at the Craft Center. So I work uh, video wise. I don't do any of the cool like journey videos. There's a sports video team that does a, a really cool job, but interviews with players, fun stuff, podcasts. Um, it's kind of my job in, in Cal's eyes to put a personality on the players that, you know, I came on in May, May 1st of 2018. And there was some frustration with fans, I think, about, hey, we're not getting to know these guys. It's just the one and done. People are getting burned out on it a little bit. And, and from Cal, obviously, I have tons of objectives from, from my actual job. But Cal's <laughs> objective was, we have great kids here. Why are they not, you know, fans not getting to know that? I want you to help fans get to know the team. So the first team I worked with uh, was Keldon Johnson, Tyler Hero, PJ Washington, the 2018 team, uh, and then this year's group. Um, but prior to that, I did KSTV on um, Spectrum, Time Warner, um, whatever the other version it was, uh, Insight before that. Uh, I hosted that. I was the producer prior to that. Um, so 2011 to 2018, I uh, had a lot of fun, spent a lot of time um, around Kentucky sports, obviously. And, uh, and then prior to that, 
Um, I helped get KSR off the ground way back in the day. And so I was, I was the, whatever fake title it was at the time, managing senior <laughs> managing editor or something of Kentucky sports radio.com. So since I got out of school, even while I was in college, I've had some sort of working for the paper in college or whatever, working around UK athletics. So it is kind of strange that now I'm like in the building and, and with Cal being the coach, what's funny is. I remember watching him going to visit my dad when I was a kid and watching the tournament on spring break and, uh, and watching Cal coach UMass. So there are those moments where I'm like, Hey, this is oh, the guy wow. I used to watch on TV, you know? So, uh, long, odd path, but, um, very blessed and very fortunate for sure. And I think TJ, it's just like a unanimous vote of confidence, I guess you could say for as far as, oh, since you've taken over kind of a lot of the social media and that player development, from like a social media standpoint, like it's just rave reviews from the entire Big Blue Nation. I mean, you've done such a good job because people like it's kind of one of those things where you might not even notice there was a change there, but it was just so obvious from the beginning. And I think that was really called out last year, like I said, in your first year where people got to kind of know these guys. And again, I don't I don't think anyone probably spends, you know, more time next to Calipari than you. And I find it funny too, um, TJ, with like guys like you whose jobs like just encompass so many kind of different odds and ends when they like struggle to say what their title is. They're just <laughs> like, oh man. It's, uh, um, so just for, for reference too, if you're not following TJ on Twitter, you should do that. It's at TJ Beisner, um, T-J-B-E-I-S-N-E-R. And his uh, Twitter header kind of calls it right. And he basically says that he does whatever his wife and Coach Cal tells him to do. That's the <laughs> That's <job>. truth. <laughs> in that order too well um yeah yeah i bet so i bet so, so. and again my, my goal with the first episode and, and beyond here um it's going to be a lot different than the cats by 90 podcast where you know it's just like everything else you know we're gonna i don't want to sit here today and talk about oh, be how great it'd be if Emmanuel quickly came back or how you know how great would it be if he is a first rounder like that kind of stuff we all talk about but with you it's going to be a little probably a little different because just i think inevitably we'll have to tie in and ask some questions about yeah. uh Coach Cal and, and his parenting style because he's very open with that. Um, and that's another call out to social media because, you know, mm -hmm. people have really gotten to know Aaron and Megan and obviously Brad, too. But maybe to start, though, let's like um, let's work our way backwards a little bit, TJ. I'd, I'd love to just hear a little bit. Um, you know, I kind of casually know you, but not that not that well. I, I'd love to hear as much as you're willing to share, maybe just about your childhood and, and your father and, and kind of how that maybe, um, you know, made you into who you are today as a parent. Yeah, so I had what, you know, I think was a, a different and unique childhood. But as I grew up, I don't think it, it was all that different. I had my parents were very young when they had me and uh, got divorced when I was young. And then my mom got remarried. So I lived with my stepdad and my mom is who I grew up with. And then All right. So the interview with TJ Beisner got a little bit off the rails from here, but it was kind of a cool story how we got there. Coach Calipari actually called his phone, which prompted us to drop the connection. But really cool news for the Kentucky Dad podcast was that he chose to continue the interview and decline Coach Cal's call. So very, very cool stuff there. Um, and it got a little bit hinky throughout the rest of the process, but I did some tech magic. I did the best I could to kind of make it flow together. So bear with us on episode one. If you're a Cats by 90 podcast listener, you know we're usually pretty good with the technical stuff. Um, so we'll work on it, but appreciate TJ sticking with us. And um, he was just about to get in a little bit more um, to kind of his childhood, how he grew up and how it made him the father that he is today. So I will let TJ take it from here. 
what I was saying is, is for like growing up, it felt like, okay, I'm living with my stepdad and my mom, but that's very common. I don't think as a kid, you realize that, that that is pretty common now for a lot of people. So we lived in a suburb of Dallas called Capel, and my dad lived outside of Dayton, Ohio. So I would see my dad at every Christmas. Um, and then I want to say every spring, every other spring break, maybe. And then for like six weeks in the summer. So what we would do is, you know, I'd go see my dad and hang out and everything, but I really grew up with my mom and my stepdad. So what that gave me was, I guess, a lot of influence in different ways, which I think, you know, when you're a kid, sometimes you think it's, it's weird or it's a little different. Actually, it's been the greatest blessing in the world because I had three really strong influences in my life who were all different. You know, I was able to learn, you know, different things. And, um, my stepdad was really strict with us. And, um, you know, I think that there, there are a lot of things I learned from him discipline wise. Um, uh, my mom has always been like, you know, like my mom is the one, you know, like I think there are a lot of, a lot of guys like me who love their dad and love, but like my mom has always been the rock, like from day one. And, and a lot, especially when you come from a divorce home. Um, you know, that, that's typical for a lot of kids. So she was always supportive. And I think the one thing that was the theme between all three of them, their different personalities is they always encouraged me to just do what I like to do and, and try to make that what, you know, if that's what I like doing, then just try to be really good at and have fun, like make that your love and enjoy it, which is, um, the best thing they could have done. And, you know, my, none of them like basketball. My mom does now, like she grew to love basketball through me, but like my dad never played basketball growing up. My stepdad didn't really play any sports other than like little league baseball. And my mom didn't come from like a home, a basketball home. So, um, that was my love. And so they all kind of just learned it. And my stepdad not being really a sports person, he knew a little bit about baseball and enjoyed it. Well, he coached my little league teams. Like that was a way that he kind of, showed his interest in, in what I was doing. And so, you know, they're all things that you don't realize when you're a kid necessarily. But now as I'm older and, and I have kids, you look back and say, okay, well, now I understand. And it's almost like I have a, a deeper appreciation as time goes on for, you know, some of the things that, that even made me mad. The, you know, hey, you can't do this. Well, now I understand why. And um, my parents, I think, all parented me the way I needed to be parented, not the way my, my friends were being parented. Um, and not the way that, uh, you know, they were parented growing up, certainly, cause they all have, you know, they all come from very different backgrounds as well. And so I think that the one thing I really took away from that now that I've grown into being an adult is every kid is different and every family is different. If it comes from love, if that's the root of it, you have to just parent like even my two sons, like they're, they're different. And so I have a 20 year old for people who don't know. I have a 20 year old and a 10 year old. Well, the 10 year old partially because I'm old and tired now. No, I'm just kidding. It, you know, he's different at 10 than, than the 20 year old was Tyler when he was 10. You know, they have slightly different rules because they're different kids and they have different areas to grow. So, um, you know, it's kind of getting off on a tangent, but I grew up in Texas with my stepdad and my mom who was, you know, very clear expectations of, of what was acceptable, what wasn't. We had strict rules, strict discipline. Um, church was at the center of everything we did. And then my dad was uh, a little different where it was more like fun time when I go hang out with my dad. There were still rules and there were still like discipline, but it was like, 
um, it was different. And I think that probably created some confusion maybe at times, I don't know, and some frustration. But now as an adult, I, I look at it as I had three people who all taught me three important lessons in life. And, and I'm very thankful for it, though. So it I think is. I knew that your kids were had a little bit of an age gap between them, but I don't think I realized it was, it was quite that large and, and very close to my situation because my daughter Lily's 12 years old and then my son Calvin just turned one years old. So my parenting versatility just knows no bounds. I tell everyone that I wear it as a, a badge of honor because my kids really are both at an extremely difficult age and such polar opposite challenges. Like with my son, I mean, that kid is a wrecking ball, adorable as can be, but 16 hours a day, he is just hanging off the rails. My ultimate goal is always just to keep him out of the emergency room, alive and well each day, because he is a tough one. And then my daughter, she's 12, but she really is mature, so you could really, you know, more like a teenager, and I go from being like blowout diaper to what the hell are you doing on Instagram? No shorts are too short. Did you do your homework? You know, why do you have such an attitude? So she's a sweet kid too, but man, they're at some difficult ages. So um, there's days when I'm really wearing my emotions on my sleeve and stuff because they can be a challenge for me to parent and, and kind of do different things with them. But we'll have to rely on each other a little bit, man, because I didn't realize that, again, your kids had that large of a gap like mine. And I've also heard a ton too, TJ, just over the last year since I've had my son, where people that have a similar makeup in their family will tell me that once the kids become adults and both get a little bit older, that they are just like ironclad tight, like extremely, extremely close as adults, especially when it's on my side of the fence where the daughter is the old one and the boy sibling is the younger one. I've heard that they just become like inseparable. So I'm excited about that. Um, a big opportunity for me, I guess, or a reason why we decided to have another kid was so my daughter Lily could have you know, someone once we were gone or, you know, just someone closer to her age, at least um, to kind of go through adulthood with and stuff like that. But I'd love to hear a little bit more, TJ, just kind of tell everybody about parenting that age gap, what that looks like with two boys. And then maybe also just in general, like what does a day in the life of the Bisner family kind of look like? We're all different. And, and like the four people in our house, like me and my wife are really different people, but we get along great. Like I love the things about her that I can't do. You know, like we're, we're good for each other. She, she actually, I was going to say there are things I can do. She can't. I don't know if that's the case. She just really takes care of me. But, uh, but no, that the boys, they're both different from each other. And my whole thing with Ty has always been, and we're trying to preach it to Will is just make sure as you grow up, be a person who is passionate and who is compassionate, like care for people, understand when people are hurting and try to be a helper. Uh, not just to your family, to other people, be compassionate in what you do, but also like, just love what you do. And I don't care. Like so Tyler loves cars. Like he is all in on, he, you know, he had a, he, uh, yeah, like Mustangs, all car, like all in on it. I don't know anything about cars, none. And so early on, I was like, I don't get it. Like I just, I did, it's, it's dumb to me, but it, what I, you know, I had to teach myself and honestly, I didn't do a great job early on. I think it's something I've gotten better with is yeah. When he wants to talk to me about the Mustang engine for 225 consecutive days. Yeah. I, I need to just listen and maybe I'll learn something, but at the very least, I just need to show him that I care that he's passionate about something. And so, you know, I, I, he knows I'm an idiot when it comes to it. He's old enough to realize that now, but he, he doesn't care. We, 
you know, he came home a few weeks ago and I kept checking. Like this was my thing. I kept checking. When's Ford versus Ferrari going to be available on Amazon Prime to rent? You know, when's it available? And the day it was, I called him. I said, Sunday, when you come over, come over early. We'll make an early dinner and let's watch Ford versus Ferrari. And he was excited. He's like, Dad, I'm dying to see that movie. Cool. I didn't really care about seeing it. It was a great movie in hindsight. But I knew like that was a thing he was into and I could get him to hang out with me. <laughs> and, you know, like I, I tried to show as best I can, you know, just do what you like. And and with football, especially and 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 baseball, like I think sports are so important for young people and not just sports. Like, you know, anybody plays music or paints or, or writes, whatever it is. Expression is such an important part of growing up and sports for a lot of people is that expression. Just, you know, when I'm coaching, I coached flag football and, and coached some baseball when Ty was younger. My whole thing was I want every kid, when you leave, I want you to leave here excited to come back to practice again. And that doesn't mean like we'll do instruction. I'll tell you if you made a mistake, but I'm not going to tear you down to where you lose whatever that little spark you have. The reason you're coming out here to play football or basketball or baseball, come back. I want you to keep that. Let's make that a fire. And it doesn't mean you need to go be finals MVP. Doesn't it? You might not even make your varsity team. But if you just love the game and that's something that makes you feel good inside, you're going to have a real job someday. Have that passion, whatever it is. And so as a parent, I just try to encourage them to keep doing things they like. And and with football and baseball, Ty and I always had one deal, one rule, that every time he got into a car after a game, because he was you know, kind of hard on himself at times, I would give him one piece of advice, and then we would only talk about either the good stuff that happened in the game or we wouldn't talk about the game at all. We'd go back to talking about regular life. And so, um, you know, and I don't know if that'll be the case with Will because he's a little hard-headed, but for Ty, he, that's how he, he thinks. He just... If a coach is in his face screaming and yelling, it's gone. Like he's just zoned out. If you pull him over and say you were supposed to run a seven yard out and you ran a five yard out and you hung your quarterback out to dry, you need to fix it. He'll never do it again. And, and I think that is one thing that I stumbled on. Like so much of parenting and the good stuff that I look back on has been accidental, <laughs> but that was one of the, the good accidents that, that worked out well for us. Let's do one piece of advice, one coaching point. And then let's move on onto the next one, and let's be excited to go back out and play. Things that she could have done better, plays that she missed. You know, be a little more aggressive here. Work on your body language, and I do it out of a place of love. You know, and even she knows that. And we've had the conversation many times that hey, I'm always going to tell you what you do wrong. It's just out of a place of love. I want you to get better. It's not that I don't notice all the great things that you're doing. I just kind of see it as my job to help you and get better. And maybe that's not the exact right option, especially from your point in that moment. Um, I know that that 20-minute car ride or so has probably not been as enjoyable for her as she'd like it to be. Um, I can probably remember similar car rides when I was a kid, but that's huge, man. I appreciate you sharing that because that's a big takeaway. That's something I'm going to try to implement in my parenting as well. But I feel fortunate, man, just to have those people in my life, too, that I guess did that. Like My dad coached my Little League team and even though looking back, he was definitely really hard on me, my brother, my god brother. But we won a championship at Hikes Point. I mean, there's also all these just multitude of great memories that definitely outweigh, you know, maybe having your dad as a coach and being a little tough on you. And I think that's important, right? Like kids need that stuff. They need not just their parents, but all kinds of players, coaches, teachers. Just it takes a village, right, to really do that. And that's big time by you, TJ, to kind of you know self-identify that and. Um, I'm sure that that made for some not only more enjoyable car rides, but probably b better mornings the next morning and things like that. 
from not just creating, you know, more friction between the family and, um, you know, making a kid feel worse because they're usually their worst critics, right? But I know I was really fortunate, man, and really lucky to have some good figures in my life that kind of guide me on the right path and, you know, kick me in the butt when I needed it, but also maybe, you know, make sure that they were managing my emotions a little bit because you know how it is with, with kids that age and teenagers that they don't need another um, person in the ear, I guess, telling them what they did wrong because usually they know themselves, so, right? One of the things I think my parents did really well too, and, and we, my wife and I have tried to do with, especially our oldest son, is they were never threatened by other people. Like I, I had a, my high school basketball coach. I still have not just my, my head coach my senior year, but an assistant coach from my junior year, um, teachers from college. I have some of those people really close relationships and they're not, you know, it's not, I wouldn't tell people, Hey, they're a father figure. Cause I have fathers in my life, you know, but they, some of those things, like people come into your life at different times when you just need a positive influence. It's not that your parents are doing anything wrong. And, and my basketball coaches in high school, um, I had a professor in college who did the same thing. My parents were never threatened by that. And, and, and I think that's really cool looking back that I think, you know, sometimes there's a tendency to say, um, you know, if, if you're worried so much about your kid, which is being a good parent, why are you, you know, trying to help my kid? I'm the parent. I'm the parent. And, and, you know, my parents didn't do that, which allowed me to have people who were able to give me other influences. Um, and, and that was really cool. I, I think that that's something that, again, being an adult, I can look back and, and appreciate that they were willing to let other people step into a role of leadership or mentoring, which could sometimes be threatening for a parent. They embraced it and allowed me to grow as a person, which I think is a really cool parenting thing that they were able to do. Yeah, that's another good point. I think it is important for parents to identify maybe areas where another person might be more impactful and kind of penetrating that shield to teach their kids something or show them something because as well-rounded as we want to be, you know, we don't know it all. And I think that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that too much. Um, you know, making sure that, that we're opening up those opportunities, I guess, for other people to, to teach a valuable lesson when there's one to be taught. Um, great stuff, man. I'm really enjoying this. But before we get any further, I have quite a few more questions for you. Let's take us a break really quick for sponsors, and we will be right back. We're back. The opening edition of the Kentucky Dad podcast, the first of what I believe will be many, because if nothing else, I've really enjoyed this. I hope the listeners are, and I hope TJ is as well, and we appreciate you joining us, man. One thing I wanted to get into a little bit now is that families at this current state of the world, I guess, TJ, are like really experiencing things and going through things that no one ever has as far as the COVID-19 pandemic and just the kind of need to stay inside and looking for other things to do and in many ways, I've kind of look at it as a blessing with, you know, even all, all the terrible hardships that are going on, but it's kind of forcing families to stay together, right? And even though we've been kind of at each other's throats a night here and a night there, um, having that forced time and just knowing, hey, I'm going to go home. I am still working. I'm an essential worker, but um, it's okay. I'm not complaining. It's not too bad. Um, but when I get home now, I know kind of, you know, what's going to go on. Hey, we're going to hang out. Um, something that we did to kind of counteract the boredom and I kind of all saw this coming was I um, hopped on Craigslist like I'm known to do, hustled us a Nintendo Wii set with Rock Band and Guitar Hero and Mario Kart and all that. So we've thoroughly enjoyed that. That's been, um, 
it's money's been well spent 10 times over on that already. And then I also put together a basketball goal, which ended up being a godsend considering that I had no idea they were going to actually literally take the rims down off the parks here, at least in Louisville. I know that they did that. So we've been getting a ton of use out of the basketball goal, but it's a challenge, man. It's, it's even though we're together, it's kind of a challenge keeping that continuity and stuff just with all the weird things that are going on and just kind of the weird vibes within the world right now. But what does that look like for you guys right now, TJ? Just kind of hanging out um, with everything that's going on. I'm sure that Tyler's home. And if you want to, I know that, uh, that I've read the article before, but anything you want to share on his story would be great too. But how is the Beisner family kind of um, doing COVID-19 and, and staying together? Well, I will tell you right now with the, uh, the COVID-19 situation is different because my 20-year-old has moved back home um, from the dorm, but it's, it's cool. Like it, it's, you know, it, it feels whole again. And, and we want him to, to go off on his own and, and we're happy and proud of him. He's a sophomore at UK. Uh, he plays football. He's a wide receiver on the football team. Um, but having him home feels whole again, you know? Um, and, and for him, I think that it's, it's given him an opportunity to, um, you know, spend some time with the family, which has kind of recharged his batteries a little bit. And also time with his brother, which I think, you know, is a different set of skills as we were talking about. It, it forces you to take on a little more of an adult hat and, and um, compassion, understanding the mind of a child. And, and, and the world of a 20-year-old, especially a college athlete, you're usually thinking about one person, like one person, yourself. That's it. And, and that's something that uh, – or, yeah, two people. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Um, and, and so I think that it's been nice having him back home, but what we did just going back, you know, when Ty went to college for people who don't know. So my son, um, when he was, first of all, was a tremendous baseball player. Like he's a good kid and his always like was just a really good baseball player. We loved watching him play baseball. Um, we lived in Florida for a short time outside of, outside of Tampa, St. Pete. And, um, in a town called Seminole, which is the town where Dexter McCluster, who played at Ole Miss and for the Chiefs, and I think with the Titans at the end, he's from Seminole, or Largo, right by. He's from there. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so when we were living down there, Dexter McCluster had a free camp. And so this was, a, you know, we were a young family, so you put free on something. We are there. I promise you <laughs> we get the kids involved. And so, um, Ty had never played football, never done anything. And he went to this camp. that was just shorts and t-shirts running some drills, had the time of his life, enjoyed it. So we're like, yeah, sure. You want to play football, whatever. Well, we moved to Kentucky. Um, it, well, it was funny. So he plays football for like three or four weeks in Seminole before we found out we were moving for me to take the job at KSTV. His coach was Mike Allstott, the former Tampa Bay Buccaneers player. So, like, we're just sending Ty out there, just do whatever. And he comes over and he's like, is that your kid? Yeah. He's like, he's really good. I'm like, is he? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, cool. All right. Well, yeah, this is more of just a, a recreation thing. Cool. So, we moved to Kentucky. Ty's doing baseball and football, but he's not really playing. You know, it's just like a thing he's doing. But he loves it. Like, he's really into it. Well, he's had asthma. And the asthma just it kept getting worse and getting worse because of the, the weather in Kentucky, whatever, the, the valley, the river valley, whatever pollens and things, it, it was getting worse. So he was managing different medicines. Well, a lot of stuff happened medically. Like he got an immunity to the medicines. Things got worse. He got infections in his lungs. Well, long story short, his sophomore year, 
we're seeing all these doctors and they basically, they look at us and say, you have 30 days to move your son out of the state of Kentucky. He can never play sports ever again. His lung situation is so bad. Like he's been on these medicines, these steroids. There's nothing we can do. In fact, we recommend moving to Colorado for him to be in a hospital for six months or so, so they can study his lungs and understand what's going on. And, um, so that's a, a tough conversation to have with a, a, whatever he was, 13, 14 at the time. And especially for us, we're like, holy cow, like, you know, I'm, there are a lot of things going on. We have a home. I'm under contract for my job for another, you know, year, I think it was at the time. How are we going to make this work? Like, can we afford to do it? Um, around that same time, there was a, a medicine, which the way it was described to us was chemo-like. And I think chemo, meaning it, like it goes and treats the blood situation. Um, I don't know. I'm not a medical person, so I hope I'm not misspeaking, but that's as it was explained to us. And they said, a doctor at uh, UofL Hospital said, we can do this. I, I, I Trust me, I think this is going to work. Give us a couple weeks. And it worked. And it was, um, it helped him. I mean, he got, he developed allergies to all types of food. So he was basically, he was eating every day. I was packing his lunches, making his dinners, his breakfast, plain chicken. Can't even put pepper, salt, anything on it. Um, and corn tortillas. So we'd wrap it up and we found there was like one hot sauce at Kroger that didn't have the spices in it that he could have. So it was like hot sauce, chicken and, and a corn tortilla. And then, um, so he was on lots of medicine. So it, it kind of hurt his ability to be physically ready to play sports and, and, you know, stunted him in that regard. But the doctor eventually said, Hey kid, I feel comfortable with you going back out to football one day a week. But your coaches know what it's on. Like he's carrying the EpiPen on him, everything. Like one day a week, you can go do football. And that was like the best news he could have heard. So he quit playing baseball. I was like, I'm just going to do football. He made a goal for himself that he wanted to dress varsity for one game his junior year. Um, I will get you. I'm amazed I haven't gotten choked up yet telling the story, but I will at some point. Uh, so he ended up starting the first game of his junior year. Uh, first drive caught like a 55 yard slant, took it up the sideline. Um, and from there was things just kept getting better where he's allowed to play, allowed to play. And he had gone to some camps and combines. He's going to UK football camp, uh, over his, uh, you know, eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade summers and gone to some combines, started getting invited to more. So he ended up with an opportunity to walk on at a couple of different schools, ended up at Kentucky. And, uh, is loving it. So the, the, just the journey of getting there, like I, it's part of when I took this job here in Lexington, the agreement was I don't work football games. I don't work on Saturdays. Um, which that's just a dad thing. Like I know my son's not playing. He's, he's in pads almost every game, but he's on the sideline, but I don't care. Like our celebration as a family is not if he catches a touchdown against Louisville or if he gets out there and makes a catch against Florida. Our celebration as a family is putting a 37 on our back and going to the stadium and seeing him knowing what his journey was to get there. That's all we need. Like, and what he does every day to make sure he's there is nutrition, his eating, his medicines he's still on, what he does to be on that field. That's, that's the thing that, that, so for two years of him being at college to get back to your original question. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, it was, so we, we basically, you know, we're in Lexington for our, our plan was to move our family 
within a two-hour drive of wherever he went to college. That was the goal. So my contract with KSTV was up in June of 2018. So I notified them in October of 2017. I was not going to sign a new contract. I was leaving. I was happy to groom the next person, help prepare the show, but I was not going to sign a new contract. I was getting out of TV because Ty was our understanding probably going to go to Florida Atlantic or the University of Central Florida. And so we wanted to be within a two hour drive for, for Will, our youngest son, so they could continue the relationship. Not because we wanted to be in Ty's business, but we wanted to do that for our boys to keep them relatively close. So we go through the whole school year and, you know, we're making plans. All right. Well, we're getting down to crunch time. I'm applying for jobs in Florida, calling some people about this or that. And. <laughs> You know, he had talked to UK, he'd been offered to walk on at UK. And his thing was, I, I don't want to be here at, in Kentucky because of my health. It's better if I go to Florida. Um, you know, I, I've, you know, just part of like, I want to get out and try something new, this whole thing. So I didn't have any, when he was talking to coaches, I didn't talk to any of them unless we were in person. My thing was, this is your, you're going to have a relationship. I know enough about sports, I think, where I can understand the situation and advise you there. But, you talk to the coaches. Those are going to be the guys you lean on when you're at college. I'm not going to be there. So the night before signing day in 2018, um, I, and I think it was the night before, there was a Kentucky basketball game. And I'm at Rupp Arena. And it's like halftime. And I get a call from a number I don't know. And so I answer it. And it's Vince Merrow. And he's like, DJ, it's Vince Merrow. <laughs> like, hey, what's up, Vince? And he's like, what do we got to do? He goes, I just got... You know, Chris Oates was going to commit. They just or was the last guy they're trying to close out. He's like, I just got Oates. What do I need to get tied to make sure he's walking on? And I said, well, you need to talk to him, coach. Like, just give him a call. Because I'm thinking, time to be a man, Tyler. Time to tell Coach Merrill you're not coming to Kentucky. You know, <laughs> like, be a man. That's not my responsibility. So he's like, all right. Well, after that game, I come home, and I walk in, and it's late. You know, being in Louisville, you work those games, the post games. You drive back to the studio. You drive home. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, I hear his bedroom door open. I'm like, what is he doing? And he comes out and he goes, dad. And I said, yeah. He goes, I'm going to Kentucky. And I said, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? He's like, talk to coach Merrill tonight. And I was like, man, that guy is a hell of a salesman. I've heard, but like it worked. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, I talked to coach Merrill. And then, cause he wanted to, he originally sports medicine is what he wanted to do. And they've got a great program at Kentucky. And so he was like, I want to do sports medicine. And we talked about it. I said, let's talk tomorrow. And in my mind, I'm going, oh, God, I've got to find a job because I had already turned this one down twice, saying my family's moving to Florida, like not interested, whatever. So I called back. Hey, is the job still available? Um, we're moving to Lexington because we want to keep the boys close. So um, Ty moved in. Um, I started my job in May and was commuting. Ty moved into his dorm in June. We moved to Lexington in the middle of July. So our thing is every Sunday, we expect to have dinner with you. And it can be, we pick you up if you're tight on classes and homework, we'll pick you up and take you to McDonald's on campus. Um, or if you got time, come over to the house. All your friends are welcome. Our house is an open door to you and all your buddies. You need to get away, whatever. Um, which has turned into, we, my wife is now freaking out about our furniture not being big enough for some of these monsters that come over to our house. It's <laughs> you know, these big dudes. Um, but it, so that has kept us, it's allowed him. Um, you know, it might not be the right thing for everybody, but for us, it's working. He has his freedom. We feel like, you know, he has his relationship with his brother. They talk pretty frequently, even through Xbox. 
He comes over every Sunday. We get one family meal a week where we can understand what's going on with them. Um, he brings his girlfriend over. He brings teammates over. When uh, his freshman year, when he was on um, non-travel squad, uh, a bunch of the the freshmen or the uh, the red shirts or the guys that weren't traveling would come over to the house and they would watch the away games in the living room. And I'd order pizzas, and, and so it's become a uh, like we've gotten to stay a part of his life, but let him live his life. So that dynamic has been good. And now having him home, we love it. Like we like our family, which is good. And I don't, that's not the case for all families. Like you have challenges and difficulties, but generally we all get along pretty well. So this has been good. And, um, it's, it's given him, I think a different perspective and it's given us, you know, mommy's got her baby back home. So she's happy. (laughs) I'm right there with you, TJ. I feel very fortunate in the fact that I genuinely enjoy spending time with my family, my daughter, my wife, Every Monday I get to work and, you know, not only am I wishing it was the weekend to not have to work, but also just all the things I missed out on. I wish I would have watched less TV and just kind of talked to my family and hung out, played a board game, something like that. So I'm as like you guys trying to use this time to really grow closer together and and do a lot of those things that the madness of the world and all the obligations we have can kind of make it more difficult without having some of those right now. But then obviously, dude, just powerful stuff with the story with your son. And I know I've, I've read the article that you wrote and, and I've heard things, but just hearing it again and, and all the stuff you guys went through, I know being a parent is hard enough. And I think about all the, the stuff that I've been through and, and I've had nothing, you know, compared to any type of health scares like that, which I just can't imagine. So good for you guys, man, for just sticking together, figuring it all out. And just amazing too, man. I got to shout out um, my boy Tyler too, because I mean, this kid's playing SEC football, not just like, you know, he, he walked on wherever. Um, and I know we were laughing before TJ about, um, the website listing him at five nine one forty one, which he disputes because he's been really hitting the weight room hard from what you've told me, but he must just be a hell of an athlete, man. I know you've told me that he is from baseball to obviously football to be able to go out and compete with SEC caliber football players the way that he is and holding his own. So that story will, you know, never get old, just hearing about all the stuff you guys went through and staying positive and sticking together and how it all ultimately ended up working out. So that's just amazing. Moving along here, man, I'd love to just hear a little bit, work our way backwards, just about kind of your time in the media and kind of where you started and how it worked out. Because, man, I've learned very quickly in doing this just for a short amount of time that it is such a grind. It puts a strain on your family finding that work-life balance is, is increasingly difficult. And I know that for you, it was probably much of the same because you were kind of in that TV grind, which I know is very, very difficult. It's, it's unforgiving. There's always something to do. And then also, too, what's it like working for John Calipari, man? I mean, how does that work and what type of boss is he? And how's that kind of transition been? Yeah, I, you know, that's honestly, that's why I got out of TV is, I mean, I, I was never a TV person. I just kind of accidentally happened. But the hours, you know, KSTV was, we were a small staff. It was just me and, and Bradley McKee, and we did everything for the show. And it became, you know, unhealthy for not just, you know, I didn't feel like I was being the the best dad I could be or the best husband. The hours were too much. I was um, and, and it wasn't, I, I was doing it to myself. I felt like it had to be perfect. And so I was spending all this time, they'd go to bed. I'd stay up all night writing scripts for the show or calling people or texting people about coming on. And so this has been much better. Um, but it's because, you know, I, I, I think for me, what was tough is balancing the, 
I know I need to make more time for my family. And I, and not just I need to, like I want to, but also me spending time on my job is helping my family or it will help my family down the line. And, and that, that was stress, honestly. Like it, it became something that bothered me. I obsessed over that, you know, I remember in 2015 sitting in Cleveland, Ohio for the Sweet 16. I think it was Sweet 16, whatever round it was. Getting into Cleveland, sitting at a sports bar and, uh, eating dinner with Bradley, getting a call from Tyler and he's over the moon. I just hit my first high school home run and I was so happy for him. And then I hung up the phone and I wanted to throw up and cry because I'm sitting in a sports bar. Like I love Bradley, but that's not where I want to be when my son's hitting his first high school home run. And, um, and so this has given us an opportunity to be, um, you know, JMI is, you know, it's a marketing company and there are extended hours, but they allow me to be, um, you know, in charge of what I'm doing for the most part. And, and again, part of that comes because I spent the last 10 years trying to build and earn a position like this. You know, it wasn't just walking into this off the street. And so, you know, there was stuff that went into it, but they're good. And I will tell you, Cal, he'll call you at night and he'll call you on the weekends, but they're five minute calls just to say what's up or talk to you about something. He's not. The thing that, that like, I, I genuinely, he's a good guy. Like, I genuinely like John Calipari. And the thing that will always, until the day I die, I will remember, is I went to him in uh, November of 2018. Oh, no, 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 it would have been December, I guess. So early December of 2018. And still new. Like, I hadn't even been there a full year. And walked in and I said, Cal, um, I'm going to leave on... Uh, we play Louisville on whatever it was, the 27th of December, 26th. I'm leaving the next day to go to Orlando to go to the bowl game. My son's playing, you know, going to the Citrus Bowl. And um, my youngest son, it's been his dream to go to Disney World. We've been able to save a little money, so we're going to go to Disney for two days. Like, I'm taking a family vacation middle of the year. I'm going to miss at Alabama, but I will be back. That's the only game I'm missing. Um, just wanted to let you know. And I'm thinking, I'm a dead man. Like, hey, new guy, you're not missing part of the season. You're not doing that. And he said, all right, cool. Yeah, have fun. It's like, what? So then, I mean, I'm, I was like, wow, this is amazing. The day we left, so we beat Louisville. Just got to say that, right? We beat Louisville, I'll say it again. And then <laughs> the next day, um, we're leaving. We're driving down there, packing up the car. I hear my phone ding. I go grab it. I look at it. Text message, John Calipari. Have fun with your family. Have a safe trip. Cherish these moments. You don't get them back. Like, wow. Like, and not only, I mean, just a kind thing to say, but with all the things he has going on in his world, he remembered that that was the day my family was leaving to go to, to Orlando to take my son to Disney World and to go see the other one at the Citrus Bowl. And, and that to me, like, that is the one thing that I will always remember. Like that, he showed me so much in that message. And, you know, I've, um, so th that, that I think carries over to that whole department, you know, seeing, uh, the importance of family and it, and it's not just basketball. I think there's with the athletic department, there's an importance on, on being a good parent and, and being a good member of society and the community, I think as well. So I, I've been very fortunate that my job allows that now. So w with our actual family, and again, I, people are going to listen to this and be shocked. They've never heard me. I don't talk this much. Like I'm very quiet. So I apologize for all this like I'm doing. <laughs> but uh, so we try to, when the weather's nice every night, we get the dog. We have a, a golden retriever who is very old now. She's about, about to turn 12, but she gets her old hips out. And we go for a walk together and 
Usually it's, it's just me and Monique. We'll go for the walk. That's kind of our time to touch base and kind of talk to each other. And then what we, uh, try to eat on the back porch when the weather's nice. We get out in the yards, play together. Um, when, when Ty is not here at the house, every Friday night is some sort of family night where we watch a movie together or Will has, you know, TV shows like all that on the DVR or whatever he wants to watch. And we'll make pizzas together or, um, you know, we, we just try to like, kind of like you're saying, find ways to, Make little things, you know, necessities even. You have to eat, but make those time to spend together, you know, times that are important because, um, you know, it might be annoying to my son right now. Will might think it's annoying that I make him sit there and eat breakfast with me instead of hanging out watching TV in his room. But that's something we do. And like when I, I've noticed now every day I drive, I've driven him to school every day. We, we call it breakfast buddies. We get up, we eat breakfast. I get him to school. We hang out. That on their days when I'm not here, he misses it. You know, like I, he'll say, like, "Yeah, mom took me to school and it's fun." But when you get back, breakfast buddies, like, deal. Like those little things. If you can make those moments, I think it makes a big difference. Breakfast buddies, <laughs> that's awesome, man, and that, that's a great tradition that you and your son share. And I'm sure it means more to him than even you realize. And boy, did I love hearing that story too about John Calipari because one thing that really sticks out to me having done this just for a couple of years and having the access and the exposure to like coach that I have is I think it's definitively fair to say TJ that he fits that mold of if he's your coach you love him and if he's not your coach in many cases you probably despise him fair or unfair and I kind of came in with that opinion but just me seeing him the way that he interacts with people what he does even when he's with the media walking away from the media and, and just all the chances that i've had a chance to see john calipari operate it comes from a genuine spot it really does because when you spend enough time around him you know that it's not a show and you can kind of just tell that he really does care about people the players first stuff is not just a, a gimmick and it can be difficult to explain that to someone that's kind of outside of the big blue nation because i think you you had a to kind of talk them off the ledge as far as who John Calipari is before they'll really start to listen. So that's a firsthand story of where he did something really cool to take care of somebody that works for him and, and seemed genuine about it too. It wasn't just, you know, do it to do it. it. You know, like you mentioned, he even messaged you and said, hey, you know, wanted to wish you the time well spent so you could enjoy that. And I'm sure that went a long way for you too. But I'll tell you this too, TJ, man, when I told a few of my, my buddies that I was having you on because I was excited um, I got like three responses that were all the same thing. They all messaged me saying the same thing. And that is that they love to just talk a little bit about like the Nerf gun wars and like all the fun stuff that you do because there has been a noticeable change since you kind of came over and took over a lot of that social media aspect for CoachCal.com and kind of the basketball program in general. But the people are dying to hear about these Beisner family Nerf gun wars. <laughs> there are... So the, the cool thing is a lot of those Nerf guns are just, they've been in the house, they're ties from when he was a kid. And so then they, Will has them now. And so that's one of the areas they've kind of bonded is since he moved home, it is a nonstop assault. Like even last, last night, like my wife was up in bed and we we're watching a movie and she's like, you know, can you give me a glass of juice? So we've got this, the V8 splash tropical blast. It's delicious. So I'm carrying a glass with a red juice up the stairs and I hear the door open and I just see guns coming out and I yell, I've got red juice on the white carpet. Like, don't do it. Like, uh, but they've been making videos. They've been doing it. It's funny because, um, you know, I, I, 
they're all they're going to grow up someday, you know. And and Ty's going to have his own kids, some, and we're going to see him, you know, hopefully a lot. But it might be Christmas, you know. He might live in California and be working. I don't know. Um, and Will's going to grow up. But these times that, that we have them under the roof, they're so awesome. Like, and and having the two years where he was gone is sort of a taste test and understanding. Like, man, it's really special having him back. It's a blast. And like, I genuinely like my kids. They're funny. They crack me up. Um, so the Nerf gun wars, there is no break from them. They, you, the worst part about it is you think it's like calming down and they lull you to sleep. And then all of a sudden, like I was doing that live chat the other day for work and the door swings open and Tyler is getting a lot of credit for shooting me with that. It was my wife. My wife swung the door open and shot me. Yeah. But I didn't want to put her on blast for that. But yeah, no, it, it's never ending. They kicked in the door the other night doing a, uh, Call of Duty remake for Tyler's TikTok account that <laughs> I don't know, but, but we're having fun. And, and it's, you know, we, we try to get out and do as much as we can right now in terms of, you know, going for walks together, or, you know, playing in the yard, but the indoor nerf wars have been the saving grace of the, uh, of the quarantine at the moment. Well, that, that's the other thing that, so we, I mean, we joke with each other a lot. I did that thing, um, last summer or two summer, 2018 summer with Tyler Hero and Keldon Johnson and Steve Zahn where they prank called Coach Cal. So like all day, the, it was, we did a, yeah, it was like a roommate game. How well do you know your roommate was hosted by Steve Zahn and they kept pranking Cal. So I thought I was going to get fired as a side story because I'd been working there about three weeks at the time and Cal was out recruiting and we're pranking. I'd texting him. I'm like, I'm sorry, this is all me. <laughs> like, you know, my bad. Um, but in it, they basically Cal, they call Cal. He answers, says, why does everybody keep calling me? Steve Zahn yells Yahtzee and hangs up. That has been two years of every probably sixth phone call I get from my son is him screaming Yahtzee and hanging up on me. Like just boom, Yahtzee, hang up. And then two days ago, I'm sitting here making breakfast and my dad's calling from Florida. I'm like, oh, I haven't talked to dad in a while. And so I answer, I'm like, hey, dad. And he screams Yahtzee and hangs up. My son had called my dad and said, Hey, you don't understand this, but, but, uh, you know, call dad and yell Yahtzee. And so they, there's just, there's pranks in this house continue on and on and on. There is no let up. Well, there you have it. Episode one of the Kentucky Dad podcast is in the books. I apologize for some of the technical difficulties. Hopefully I was able to splice that up together enough to where it was fluid so you can enjoy it, but couldn't have had a better guest for episode one. TJ Beiser, and just like I said, you're not going to find many other people connected to the Kentucky basketball program quite like he is and has that access to John Calipari, who's another outspoken father um, that the Big Boo Nation gets to see a lot. But thank you, TJ, by your own admission. You don't you don't talk a ton about this stuff and you're generally kind of quiet. So we really do appreciate you opening up about some of these topics and and being our first guest It's going to be the first of many. We'll have TJ on again. Um, because I really enjoy his perspective. We found out we had a ton of similarities um, through doing this too, so that's great. But thank you to TJ and everyone for listening. Please give us a follow at Kentucky Dad Pod on Twitter, and make sure you go to iTunes, and if you could subscribe and rate this and review this, I would be very, very grateful. And I've already got some locks on some other good guests. I'm hoping to maybe have Nick Roush on, Kyle Tucker, a slew of people from ESPN 680, and Really anybody. I have so much favorable feedback about this. A lot of people want to come on and and talk about this stuff and kind of have some fun with parenthood. So please check us out in the future and we will talk next time.